episode of the Beirut Banyan, and we're joined today by Tony Badran, a research fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. Before we get to Tony, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider a contribution through Patreon. There is a link in the details box attached to this episode, and you can also visit our website, BeirutBanyan.com, and click on the Patreon button. It'll take you to the page. I'm steering clear from Skype interviews and sponsorship. I prefer the intimacy of engaging guests in person, which requires regular travel. And I don't want advertisers influencing the scope of these conversations. So full independence means generosity from listeners. Any contribution is appreciated. Now, Tony Badran's writings have appeared in numerous outlets, most recently last week in the Wall Street Journal, in a piece titled Lebanon, Hezbollah, and Iran's Emerging Client State. This episode centers around U.S. policy towards Lebanon. And Tony's take on what he thinks are mistakes made by the current administration, as well as previous administrations, towards engaging the Lebanese state. And there will be other voices interviewed in later episodes surrounding this issue, because there is a wide range of opinion here. And in the details box, you'll see a link to his recent piece, as well as his regular contribution to the Hoover Institute at Stanford University. For episode 11, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. Lebanon matter at the moment to U.S. policy? Well, okay, so there's the objective answer of regardless of what current policymakers or previous policymakers think, uh, and it's not, and I don't share their views on this, uh, both the current and the previous. Mm-hmm. Um, objectively, the only reason why Lebanon would matter to U.S. policy is because it is the nerve center of Iranian operations in the region, indeed globally, and related, because it's the same actor, uh, meaning Hezbollah, uh, it is also the center of uh, a global criminal enterprise that uh, involves uh, the laundering of uh, drug money and all kinds of other stuff. And third, which is related to the first part of being a nerve center of Iranian operations, it's also a missile base aimed at uh, a a primary U.S. ally in the region, which is the state of Israel. So these reasons, all of which are related to Hezbollah and Hezbollah's um, uh, control of the Lebanese, uh, not just polity, but geography as well, territory, okay, uh, and its economy and its uh, ability to use what uh, people like to refer to as its state institutions, quote unquote, as well as its uh, economic sectors and so on and so forth, in a manner that affects uh, people and countries beyond Lebanon itself. Uh, so, for instance, if you're laundering money, okay, it affects other countries. If you are Um, smuggling cocaine from Colombia in order to make money into Europe or diamonds from Africa or whatever, um, that's a problem um, for other countries. So, and and insofar as all of these things are actually based out of Lebanon, hence the word nerve center, it becomes an issue for the world. Now, 
this is what objectively matters. This is not necessarily what policymakers think matters about Lebanon. Do you think that that sort of line has shifted much in U.S. policy? Because I always have that, that there's echoes of this throughout modern Lebanese history, that what should be done is not done, especially when it comes to American policy. There's more complaining about American policy than actually supporting American policy, at least when it comes to Lebanon itself. So do, uh, have, has this ever lined up properly? Well, the interesting thing is, uh, has it lined up for whom, right, or in whose perspective? Um, uh, ironically, for all their complaining about uh, the uh, Trump administration, for instance. Which is, I mean, this is just two years of complaining. Correct. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it has not radically shifted the approach uh, that has been in place really since 2005 uh, with the Bush administration, uh, meaning that the three consecutive administrations with varying degrees and with uh, different rationales for why they were doing what they're doing, and mm -hmm. we'll get to that in a second, um, have, all three have uh, looked at uh, Lebanon as something worth saving, okay? So, and then they feel that, so to, to start to do that, you have to separate between what they believe to be the problem, i.e. Hezbollah and Iran, and what they believe to be uh, either victims or hostages of Hezbollah and Iran in, in Lebanon. And so the idea of uh, is, now this is not the case exactly with the Obama administration. There's a difference, and I'll explain that in a second. Uh, yeah, I was going to say we're but, sort of... But, there, but yeah. this was certainly, certainly what was the Bush administration's position, that the idea was, at the time it was more concerned with the Syrians more than Hezbollah proper. The idea was that uh, we want to... Uh, it was all obviously spurred by the March 14 moment. The March 14 moment, as opposed to movement. And I like that you've you've really yeah. narrowed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There, because it, it wasn't a movement. It was, it was a moment. I mean, it, was, yeah. it was political parties at a particular moment. Yeah. It achieved yeah. uh, uh, what they sought to achieve, and even actually probably even more than what they sought to achieve in terms of removing the Syrian yes. uh, military from Beirut. Um, so the Bush administration at the time was. Uh, felt that it needed to strengthen and consolidate uh, those political powers that uh, congealed around that idea at the time. Uh, and then from there, uh, after 2006 in particular, they started talking about uh, strengthening the military in order for the military to become strong and capable of defending Lebanon's borders, and that somehow if you do that, then you start to chip away at what they believe to be Hezbollah's uh, quote-unquote argument, okay, because they believed that the issue was one of uh, public perception and, and arguments, as though this was a high school debate. So you're saying that the objective of state sovereignty 
was more an illusion at that at that point in time? Well, no, no. We were look. So the United States at the time. Again, so there, there are differences, like I said, in, there, there's a constant between all three administrations in that they felt that they are going to support, that first, that Lebanon is something to be salvaged. And, that, and, by and, that, then, yeah. and the way to do it is to prop up its um, state institutions and the idea of uh, an independent state that doesn't, in the case of the Bush administration, is no longer uh, subservient to the Syrians. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, with the Trump administration, one that's no longer subservient to Hezbollah and the Iranians. Now, the eight years in the middle, interestingly, was actually one uh, that you asked me, the question was whether uh, what the Lebanese want and what Americans want lined up. Ironically, they lined up very much during the Obama administration in the sense that the Obama administration looked at Lebanon as, to use the word of former President Obama, as an Iranian equity. This was... Is that his, his choice of words? Iran- well, well, I mean, uh, equity is his, is he, his choice. Oh, he, in, not, oh. not, not, it, he didn't apply that to Lebanon. He okay. applied that to Syria. I see. But what applies to Syria applies to Lebanon. The idea is that um, he accepted that Iran had legitimate uh, holdings and interests in the Levant, in Syria, and in Lebanon, that those are legitimate spheres of Iranian influence that America would accept as such. Now, the way that that translated in Lebanon, he didn't quite say it that we support Iran in Lebanon. But de facto, the policy was that we understand Lebanon to be dominated by Hezbollah, and we will uh, not look to destabilize this arrangement in Lebanon. Instead, we will prop up the political order that revolves around Hezbollah and call it support for stability and for the Lebanese state, and the way, the trick to do it is to say that we're doing it against the attempts by ISIS hmm. and Al-Qaeda and mm-hmm. other Sunni Islamists to destabilize. So he redefined the enemy away from Hezbollah. And you see that in the, in the um, language of the State Department t- uh, uh, country terrorism reports. Uh, after the rise of ISIS, so from 2014 onwards, you see that all their rationale about U.S. support for Lebanon, they scrubbed out anything having to do with Hezbollah from it. And it became all about the threat of Sunni Islamists from Syria. So. Is it, but okay, so well, it's just let me just sure, to finish sure, the point sure. to hi- mm-hmm. highlight yes. the difference of that. So there's continuity and difference at the same time. It's really, it's really. Uh, you could even use the word devious in a way, right? Because it what so whereas the Bush administration sought to strengthen 
the Lebanese army, let's say, uh, deployment on the eastern border. You remember, this used to be sure. a big deal sure. uh, during the, administra- the Bush administration. Like, and the Syrians were against it and, and so on. And so the idea was it would be something really important for the Lebanese army supposedly to deploy along the eastern border because the idea was that it would help um, uh, uh, enshrine or consolidate Lebanon's in- independence from the Assad regime in Syria mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and potentially, therefore, to block uh, the support Hezbollah gets from that border, from that strategic depth. Then, with the Obama administration, they continued with the same goal of, of doing that, but instead of um, consolidating Lebanon's independence from Syria, it became actually quite the opposite because the point was to fight the same people that were fighting Assad in Syria. <laughs> so the idea was to not let those guys now come into Beirut. And therefore, the, the safeguarding of the border became the safeguarding of Hezbollah's ability to render that border null and void by going back and forth into Syria to fight the same people that are fighting Assad. So the Lebanese army's function, although the headline remained the same, we're supporting state institutions, okay? Yes. Uh, the, the goal of it or, or, or the function of it became very different because now these guys are consolidating Hezbollah's ability to, to work on both sides of the border, fighting the people who are trying to topple Assad. So, in, in other words, America's policy only shifted in that they became lenient towards Hezbollah for eight years. That's really... Well, other but they understood... And that now, the, the, the they, second, the flip side of the argument, like when yeah. you said how it lines up for the Lebanese. Because right. for the Lebanese, remember, the Lebanese have this beautiful... Uh, and we'll get to that because this is a structural issue for the Lebanese. It's a historical and structural issue. Um Remember, uh, Nabih Burri has a beautiful uh, uh, knack for these uh, pithy uh, uh, alphabetical formulas that he uses, the SS formula, right? Meaning that, Nabih, for those who don't know, this is on Nabih Burri, the Speaker of Parliament. He used to say that if you wanted an, uh, for things to work in Lebanon, S, as in Syria, needs to have an agreement with S, as in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia and Syria need to come to an agreement, which, again, means that Saudi Arabia has to agree that Syria calls the shots in Beirut, and that Saudi Arabia needs to bankroll Syria calling the shots. Since then, it ha- Birri came up with a new uh, um, alphabet, uh, alphabetic formula. It's... Uh, Alif in Arabic and Alif, right? So uh, meaning America and Iran, right? Mm-hmm. So why? Because that was exactly what was going on at the time. They felt that for Lebanon to be able to function in its dysfunctional way, it needed an American-Iranian agreement, which in turn means exactly what Obama had said a recognition that that Lebanon is part of the Iranian sphere of influence and that America is going to give its blessing to this arrangement for it to function, which is exactly what happened eight years ago. Now, the Lebanese won't admit it, but that's exactly what they wanted and that's exactly what they continue to want today, meaning they feel that they can continue to have their stability, quote unquote, so long as America and Iran are in agreement over not destabilizing Lebanon, quote unquote. 
but but just just let's go back a little bit. The that he is he is more interested in regional calm. Is that what it's not? It's not regional. The the idea is that if America agrees concedes that Lebanon is an Iranian sphere. Oh, I see. It's on that therefore, Conceding that... I see. Okay. Therefore, okay. Yeah. America then will not be looking to destabilize that arrangement. Yeah. There's an agreement over Lebanon, yeah. and therefore... America can then, will not, for instance, sanction the country. America will not push hard enough for the country to fall apart. So someone like him is looking for the post-1990 situation. Yeah, it's a, because, uh, because that's Iran's. Lebanon's perpetual state of affairs. Re- Lebanon, the idea of a Lebanese proper uh, uh, self-management and sovereignty, as you called it. And so it doesn't exist in reality. I'd like to go two different directions, one to the past and one perhaps to the distant future. Okay. <laughs> let's say the time frame is the same. When do you think state sovereignty disappeared in Lebanon? State, well, state sovereignty never existed okay, in Lebanon. Okay, so it never existed. No. Is there any potential in your mind for state sovereignty to exist one day, given the, given the current situation, if you were projecting a bit to the future, are there any components there that you could see a state sovereign thing emerging? Uh, uh, well, I mean, uh, you can call the Hezbollah state sovereign in the sense that it is, uh, it's, a, it's a project, it's an Iranian project, but it's, you know, it runs itself without, without having to share power with any regional power. But, but to answer your question more directly, okay, this, is, this was kind of a facetious. I take a much, much, much long, longer, uh, what's called the long durée in, in historical terms, okay, the idea of... Um, an approach to time and history that's not just looking back at, uh, you know, the modern era. I have, uh, and the reason for that is not me being pompous. It's just that's my discipline. That's what I, that's what I studied. And the idea is that if you study the political geography of the Levant, meaning Syria, Lebanon in particular, you there's an anomaly that happens in in the in in the Palestine uh, segment that is that um, you now actually have an actual state in a place that n- that never had any, right? So the Levant, as an aside, and forgive me if I go on an aside on this, but it's important I think to establish the terms of the conversation. The Levant itself is not a place historically that has had states. In the sense that we understand states, there are states that are buffer states. There are states that are vassal states. There are states that are uh, simply a, a sort of uh, agreements between empires to split them in be- between themselves. Okay, so because the real states are the states around the Levant, Turkey or Anatolia historically, Egypt historically. Uh, and sort of the uh, Iran, Persia, the, 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 yeah, the uh, sort of uh, Persia's Mesopotamian complex. Because so we're going back, yeah, yeah. That's a geographic reality. Okay. Now these things have changed uh, slightly in in and and the importance of these various states have actually also changed uh, a lot. The anomaly I'm saying is that for the first time you have something very unique in the Levant is that you actually have a real state that's capable of defending itself, which is the state of Israel, which is not 
been the case in that geographic area in the past. So in the past, southern uh, Palestine used to be a sphere of influence for the Egyptians. And the northern part, meaning Lebanon, or actually half of Lebanon, let's say south of Byblos, would belong to a uh, Egyptian sphere. And north and all of Syria would belong also to the northern Anatolian, whoever that. And, and this is not just from the times of you know, uh, the pharaohs and so on, but it, it, it replicates itself in uh, you know, the Fatimids and the Byzantines. It replicates itself with the, with the um, Ottomans and so on and so forth. But the nine, I mean, if, just to interrupt you a bit, so the 1950s are just... They but what is the 1950s? But in the 1950s, you had Egypt also moving to have uh, to have its influence in the Arab world, right? And so you have. Uh, but, but there was a moment where you had a Lebanese president who chose something like state sovereignty. I mean, there was there was something there. Abdel Nasser did not come into no, Lebanon. No, he did, he Kamil Shamoun sought to ward off the influence of. I was actually the thinking major more of Heb going a little... Fouad Shahab is the compromise in the middle, and that's how Lebanon functions, right? He's the, he's the, he's the one that Abdel Nasser agreed to. Interesting. So Fouad Shahab, in your opinion, is the reality of Lebanon. Absolutely. That's interesting. I've never, never heard it I never heard him. You know the that anecdote of, of where they yeah. met, right on the on border. On the border, sure. Right. Okay, the under, table, under the tent, and, of course. Okay. Just on the line. That's yeah. that's Lebanon. But but he did not step in. So it's interesting. You're, for you, the reasons he did not enter the country is because Fouad was Nasser's man in Lebanon. Not Nasser. I mean, not not in those crude terms. But the idea is, he's the one that Nasser said is okay. Hmm. So what exactly, and I make a very subjective question, what exactly are Lebanese uh, state supporters or sovereign champions, what are they championing exactly? It's a, that's, the whole po- that's my whole point. The, the March 14 moment. What is that all about if it never really existed? Uh, in your opinion, what, what are they... But, but, but that's the point. You see, in what I tried, the point of the aside was to say that this is something that has never existed in this geographic location. And so the idea of people saying, well, the solution in Lebanon is to build state, inst- strengthen, not build, strengthen, because they assume that they're already there, which is even hila- more hilarious. But it's like, so strengthen state institutions, and that is going to be the answer to the problem, while simultaneously, by the way, keeping the sectarian system, which is another, which is another hila- hilarity. But the, <laughs> the point of it is... Uh, is um, you cannot strengthen and sell the... And that's where I get... Uh, I take issue when people sell this to American policymakers as the smart way to go. Uh, leaving aside what we saw happen in Iraq, right, with the idea of state building in Iraq, in at least, you know, in Iraq, historically, at least you can make a case that, you know, there used to be something, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in that geography, in that geographic location. But that's going back. I mean, yeah, 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 no, yeah, no, no, sure, absolutely. Sure, yeah, I'm, 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 sure. I'm, making, yeah, yeah. I'm making a joke, right? Uh-huh. But the idea is in Lebanon, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist ever. Do, but, do, you know, I, I'd like to play devil's advocate. What, I mean, 
why is there a nostalgia for something that 60, 70 years ago then? Where there were, I mean, if Fu'edj Heb is the reality, it means that even the most stable years of modern Lebanese history were just as uns, as as irrelevant as t- today. I and find it very funny that <laughs> now all of a sudden Fu'ed, the Fu'edj Heb era mm-hmm. is the is the era of nostalgia, the era I of the of the deuxième bureau and yeah, the era of the of the right. of the military president. Sure, you're right. You're right. You're <laughs> that's absolutely right. that's what the Lebanese now see as as their model. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fair point. Fair point. But I I only ask because it's it, it sounds hopeless to begin with. Therefore. Therefore, there's nothing really worth championing anyway. So U.S. policy, in a way, is almost... It, I'm trying to follow your 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 uh, your thread that U.S. policy should not be towards either promoting or sustaining dysfunctional state institutions. It should yeah, be... No, because the idea... Uh, we'll get to... I mean, we can elaborate on what uh, American policy thinks it wants to achieve and what that actually means. But just... To, to finish the point that we started on, it's like the idea of strengthening state institutions in Lebanon or that this is what the American strategy should be in, in Beirut is, is hilarious on the one hand, but it's mendacious and dishonest on the part of the Lebanese who are selling it because they're selling something that never was. So you're asking the Americans to put their diplomatic weight and money into an enterprise that has no precedent in history. I mean, that is absolutely bonkers. And it's not something that we can start with. Well, I mean, you can, you can go on a hope and a prayer and say that what never existed ever, we can now build on this foundation in Lebanon. Good luck. I don't think it happens. But, uh, but the idea of selling, that's why I'm saying I take issue with it when it becomes a policy. Now, if the Lebanese want to talk about it, you know, in, in the, well, I make a joke on Twitter that in, the, in the Beirut cafes, uh, that's nice. Okay, but don't confuse that with actual policy and say, no, 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 no. The smart policy is for America to, to build in the institution because that's how you defeat Hezbollah. It's like, um, how? how? How does that happen? How, how do you jump from point A to point B? The bottom line is they want um, an, um, an American umbrella for the status quo against any disruption that could come from sanctions and or uh, uh, the, in the case of a future war between Hezbollah and Israel, that the Americans don't allow the Israelis basically to destroy the place as a result. These are the two things that they care about the most. So we, you, you, we sort of jumped from the initial point of 2005 until today. So in other words, the 2006 situation is something that, we, that they want indefinitely. Uh, regional war, as long as they're out of the conflict zone. Well, I mean, I don't know if they want regional war, but you did touch on something now. Before I get into that, but what I want... uh, Not regional war. I don't think anyone's really praying for regional war. No, but but they're praying for something very similar. I'll tell you in a second. But my point is, uh, by by going through first the, the list of what happened, the point about reviewing the history from 2005 was to show what thread of continuity... There was, which is supporting the Lebanese state, quote unquote, and then explaining the difference of the eight years of the Obama 
administration, which was still sold as supporting the state, but with the understanding that this is an Iranian sphere. Whereas with the Bush, they were trying, the Bush administration, they were trying to separate it from Damascus. And under Trump administration, they think by supporting state institutions, you're also uh, diminishing the power of the, of the Iranians in Lebanon. So there is difference as to why each of them was supporting state institutions. But the common thread is that they all think that somehow, which is hilarious, that you're pushing state institutions both <laughs> to have a pro-Iran policy and an anti-Iran policy in Lebanon. You, you would argue the state institutions and Hezbollah domination are the same. It's they're they're well they're, insofar in, as there is a state in Lebanon. Sure, yes, of, yeah, I mean of yeah. course. Look, people who this is something I take issue with as well. When people say, "Oh no no, it's absolutely not the case that 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 they're the same," really, well, name a policy, a major, not you know the local Lebanese bickering, a major policy, uh, uh, where Hezbollah didn't get its way on something that it deemed to be essential. I would argue that in the post-July 2006 war environment, at least in the immediate aftermath, 1701 was not what Hezbollah had in mind. And they only, they were, they agreed to it uh, out of pressure, not well, out of... yes and no. Well, first of all, you know... And another, just quickly, another example, the, I, I, maybe the, the, the slowing down of it was in their and to their advantage but the special tribunal was definitely not something that they wanted okay but now okay but now you're going back to the Unf- 2005 sure. years unfortunately i i mean that's that in, at least in my opinion i can't think of anything else and no I, I i understand i understand that but i mean we're talking about a different reality entirely today but while these two things are in a way they 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 continued beyond no no the, meaning that where Hezbollah was because okay, there's a, there was a big difference in what happened in 2005. You had a transition from an order in which Hezbollah was the key player, obviously, but as part of the so-called Syrian Hezbollah or Syrian Iranian understanding in Lebanon, right? Then the Syrians leave, and then Hezbollah has to move in a manner that it hadn't done before to fill in that vacuum, right? So, so you had these couple of years, let's, let's stretch them between 2005 and 2008, let's say. Although it's, I mean, I'm being generous because it, it happened even in 2006. Sure. Yeah. But, but let's say between 2005 and 2008, in that transitional period from where Hezbollah's taking over what the Syrians had and di- directly, right? Okay. And then the decade since, the decade plus since, where it exercised direct control increasingly, leading to them winning a majority in parliament, controlling the government, controlling all uh, 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 the the main security appointments, the main uh, uh, cabinet uh, appointments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So... uh, when you and and let's not forget, I mean, also you know the idea of two thousand eight. What triggered the uh, the clashes in the street at the time was when the state, quote unquote, meaning the rivals at the time of Hezbollah, not necessarily anymore today, the rivals of Hezbollah at the time sought to leverage uh, 
their powers in the government to take away certain uh, Hezbollah uh, uh, privileges or, 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 or positions inside uh, Lebanese, uh, in, uh, you know, like, like the airport security, for instance, like in, in apparatuses, right? And they were blocked. And what did the Lebanese army do at the time? Fuad Shab, <laughs> neutrality, right? Actually, it's, it's not even true. They actually helped. But so uh, th- that's the whole point, uh, is that uh, it, th- you don't get to a point where the quote-unquote state institutions, whatever those means, meaning, meaning in Lebanon it means whatever sectarian-controlled assets of one particular political force or coalition being leveraged against its domestic rivals, okay? So that part doesn't happen now. That's it. Now, everyone's conceded that 2008 showed that basically nobody in Lebanon wanted to go down that road. So now the question becomes, so what what are we talking about then by supporting state institutions? And that's when you start getting all these completely ethereal explanations, like, well, it will undermine Hezbollah's narrative, whatever the hell that means. What other tools are there then to, if, if a, somebody is challenging their paradigm, their narrative, their, their situation on the ground, what no, are these are two things. Yeah. Paradigm narrative is one thing. Their situation on the ground well, is quite another. One of them fair, is not real. Point. The other one is real. Well, in that case, then it's just a hopeless cause, in your opinion. The yes. whole thing. The whole thing is hopeless. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the end of the show. No. no, okay. no meaning, look. Meaning. Okay. So I started by saying something. Yeah. When you told me that the Lebanese, you know, about they want a, they, they don't want a context of regional wars or whatever. It's like it's very funny, in the Arab Spring context, right? That the Lebanese were. And even before, with the Iraq War and so on, the Lebanese of the March 14 persuasion were very happy to argue for the Iraq War. Or, let's not go revisit that war, they were very happy to argue for, let's say, uh, change in Egypt, change in Syria, supposedly, just so long as it doesn't involve Lebanon. Right, uh, because they don't have a problem with a civil war, let's say in Syria. But then you tell them, well, how come you're not rising up against Hezbollah? I said, what? You want me to have a civil war but in Lebanon? Are these well? Okay, let's 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 break this down a bit. I don't. I mean, I will disagree that I don't think March 14 figures were eager for a civil war in Syria, and I don't think these figures or whoever March 14 or whatever it is now. The appetite for that type of uh, significant loss, meaning uh, confronting Hezbollah in Lebanon in itself would be a very bloody... Yes. So I think it's more of cautious because of an inability to see something good coming out of that. Okay. That, uh, yes. and, I, and I'm not trying to defend or, No, 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 you know. it's, it's fine But the yeah. point is that um, th- they. There's no clear You mean to no, tell me mm-hmm. that March 14 types Were not happy 
that Bashar al-Assad was getting punched in the face for several years? A, a uh, Diminishing his control over Syria, Lebanon, whatever, I think was something that many Syrians and some of Lebanese sure, were eager Be- to see. Of course. And, it's, and, it's, and from, the, from the American perspective, it was a... It was a good thing. I mean, getting him toppled was a good thing. Unfortunately, for, for, you know, at the time that this was happening, you had an American that wanted an alliance, an American president that wanted an alliance with Iran, which is why it didn't happen. But, um, but the point of it is that, again, this is one way. I, I started with their agreement with Nabih Birri. Now I'm going to kick it up a notch. Now they're in agreement with Hassan Nasrallah. Because Hassan Nasrallah said, hey, fellas, let's not have our fight in Lebanon. Rather, let's have our fight in Syria, right? Remember that speech when he said, you, uh, we have disagreements, let's go and duke it out in Syria. Since Syria is the theater, let's neutralize Lebanon. Let's keep Lebanon neutral. Hassan so, Nasrallah is definitely not a champion of Lebanese neutrality. No, no, he's of not. not. The, he's not the modern Fuaj Heb. That no, no, no. Had. But the point, neutrality, meaning to neutralize, meaning to keep Lebanon out of any uh, sure, turmoil. Sure, sure. But March 14 figures were not on board saying, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's go and let's no, but, help but, destroy but, but, Syria. But, no, no, no. But the idea is that they agree with him that this, that Lebanon should not become an arena where Hezbollah is challenged, right? Rather, le- so now if you talk to anti so quote unquote quote unquote anti Hezbollah types in Lebanon, and I emphasize quote unquote anti Hezbollah types in Lebanon, what they, what what's their solution? Hey man, what do you want to f- waste your time on Lebanon for? If you really want to fight Hezbollah. You have to go to Syria or to Iran, right? Not here. Why do you want to do it here? But the, what is the alternative to that? If, if, if I'm going to go with you on this. If, if they're less eager to see conflict in Lebanon and willing to, uh, willing to see potential benefits for maybe punishing the Iranian regime or punishing Bashar Assad, what is the alternative? Alternative is a bloodbath in Lebanon. Right. My point is that they don't have a problem with uh, a, a destabilization of Syria, a destabilization of Iran, a destabilization of anything that, okay, so long as it's not in Lebanon. You're less impressed with Lebanese who criticize Hezbollah and are unwilling to do anything about it. That's right. That's, I that's mean, your point. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. even the Iranians, by the way, who, by the way, I know. I mean, I know someone. I'm not going to say who it is, but is, is an Iranian, a fellow of Iranian uh, origin, who, who basically once explained to me the Iranian, at least the middle class, as as basically kind of type of Lebanese, right? Meaning that the guys who 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 really don't want to to the word the word he used was cowards. Now I I don't know. Uh, and this is again, I'm not suggesting that this is what it is. I'm saying that. I, I actually, I'm saying it's quite the opposite, that ultimately, even the Iranians whom some would have regarded at the time as cowards or as kind of Lebanese who didn't want us to, to shake the status quo in Iran, blah, 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 even they ended up going to the streets knowing that they're facing, you know, the IRGC, right? And they've been doing it now for over a year, right? So... But even they, Lebanese, have, Lebanese did the same thing. No, they did not. Well, uh, they did it, as we called it, for a moment. 
And they didn't do it against really Hezbollah, right? So they did it against the Syrians. And then after that, it kind of... The same way millions of Iranians who are fed up with their system, they're not calling for the complete toppling of their system Well, it depends, right? I mean, it depends who you talk to. And and probably the Syrian middle class that didn't rise up in Damascus or anywhere. But those that stood up and did revolt against the system, I don't think were eager to see blood on the streets. No, they were. No, it's not in their control, obviously. But the point, the, that's, that's not the point. The point is that I at least can entertain the idea of people who are telling me that they're fed up with their situation and they're doing something about it versus people who are telling me and then, and then they wanted to sell it, sell it to me as some sort of a sophistication that... Well, no, the really smart way of doing it is to strengthen Lebanese institutions and defeat Hezbollah's narrative. If you don't want to rise up because you, you, you have, you know, you fear that you're going to get uh, killed or you're going to have a civil war, it's like, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. It's your choice and that's fine. But don't drag the United States into your choice and into your world under the pretext of that that being the smart way to defeat Hezbollah. That's just, that's just used car salesmanship, okay? We are not, that's not what this is about. Well, okay, so whether you personally care or don't, I'd like to just get, what it, to you would be the smart way? It's not, it's not about being smart or not being smart, right? So the idea is... No, because, I mean, if somebody were to try at this point in time to create what never existed, right? right. The, the Lebanese state. Sovereign entity in the Middle East. What what would the, what would the smart path be? Look, I don't. Uh, again, the issue is not what's smart and what's not smart. The issue is: is the should the United States be pursuing this fantasy? The the clear answer is no. So, right okay. now, it doesn't mean that you know. I'm saying well. You know, people, people hold... Their, I wrote a line um, in, a, in a piece I published last year, uh, and people interpreted it however... Could you do which... Uh, where was so, it? Where so this was a, a piece that I wrote for uh, uh, Hoover, uh, the, um, uh, in the, the Caravan, uh, sure. called the publication yeah. mm-hmm. in, uh, the, uh, for Hoover. For yeah, Hoover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the line was that I said, Lebanese stability insofar as it means the stability of the Iranian order in Lebanon and of the uh, missile base that the Iranians have set up in Lebanon, right? Because that's what the... Okay, if you're stabilizing the situation in Lebanon, you're stabilizing their ability to continue doing that, right? That's, That's what the Lebanese don't acknowledge. But that's what it is. I said, if that's the stability, I said, then that is not a U.S. interest. Now... People said that, oh, my God, I want, you know, I don't want anything. I'm just saying you're selling me that stability in Lebanon is an American interest. No, it's not. We're going to post this uh, article, but Mike Pompeo is in Beirut telling the Lebanese they have a choice between the status quo or letting go of the status quo and moving forward. Right, in, but, yeah. but the Lebanese already told him, no. Well, the Lebanese told him, <laughs> but, but is, is that a, are the, um, is Mike Pompeo then advocating something worthless as well well he's just a continuation of well there are two there are two sides right so mm. the, the the line that he said that you have a choice yeah. it's it's absolutely true they do have a choice but mm. but of course what he didn't say is that they've already made their choice 
The second thing is, and that's where I disagree, is that it's like, well, and we will continue supporting the state institutions. It's like, okay, so, so then you're actually nullifying the, so you're actually saying, you're nullifying the implicit threat when you say that you have a choice. Because what you're saying then is that I recognize that you have made the choice, which is the status quo, and despite you making the, the quote-unquote wrong choice, I'm still going to, to support your quote-unquote fairy tale state institutions. So you will actually not pay the price. You will still be uh, cocooned from the consequences of your choice. Okay. Now, again, people say that, well, do you mean that you want to smash? I don't want anything. All I want is for the United States to stop bankrolling the Hezbollah state. And then let, let the chips fall wherever they may. There are people do things, and then there are consequences for them. We should not be shielding people from the consequences of their actions and then selling it as advancing the American interest, because it's not advancing the American interest. You want Lebanese proponents for US involvement to take responsibility. Lebanese proponents for U.S. involvement? You want Lebanese that are asking for more U.S. involvement in the country to take responsibility and stand up and actually... No, I don't, I don't, you don't, no, no, I don't, want, I don't want anything. All I want is... For you're looking at it from the American side. Yes, I'm looking at it from okay, the American so side. That's, maybe that's a better way of looking at it for this, this point. America looking at Lebanon rather than Lebanese asking for right. American involvement. July 2006. America's direct involvement in stopping that war. Was that a waste of time for America? Um, yeah, I, I, listen, I, I think the, the problem with that statement is because I think at the time the Israelis were not uh, properly prepared to do I mean, even though they weren't prepared, they still managed to do quite a bit to deter Hezbollah. But in the current context, I think the Israeli preparation since 2006 has been growing. And so But I'm, if, I'm talking about Lebanese that were potential allies. And these are not... The, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. okay. So, the idea, so what your question really is that, if I understand it correctly, is that is, was the American idea at the time that there was something allies that needed to be salvaged by stopping the Israelis. Well, especially post-2005. These are the... Yeah. That, that moment. At the time, at the time, th that could have been, or, or that was, an argument, a worthwhile argument, meaning that I could see it, I could see its merits. In retrospect, I think, ultimately, of course, it's a, it ended up being a mirage, of course, but... The reason why it worked at the time is also has to do with the Israelis' lack of preparation to do something bigger than what they did in, in, terms, of, uh, in terms of inflicting damage so on Hezbollah. Even in that war, it's more to do with America and Israel. Not, it's, the, it's, still the, uh, it's not still really worth it. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. So yeah. looking back, although, I, like I said, at the time, the argument had merits because you at least saw something that, people could have imagined could have become something bigger. In retrospect, uh, because of all the structural factors that I laid out, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think that too was a fantasy. But in, in policy terms at the time, 
the idea of supporting some uh, force that was at least trying to hold some ground against Hezbollah could could be sold as a as a argument with merit. The problem is that even even however problematic that argument is in retrospect, if you apply that today, you can't even say that. Like there isn't, so people keep telling me, oh, there is an opposition to Hezbollah. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Who exactly? So it is not worth America's time to even entertain figures, whether they're in Lebanon or not, anywhere, that are standing up for what could be where are the figures in Lebanon standing up for could be? Well, I mean, in the last two decades, we know who they are only because they're all, they've either been assassinated ah, or they've been okay. driven out of the country. Okay. Right. So they're not really in Lebanon. They're either in to, the afterworld sure. or outside Lebanon. Yes. Okay. So they're not in Lebanon. In 2019, the, they're, they're hard to find. Yeah. But in 2005... They were around. Right. Like, that's why I said okay. in retrospect. In retrospect. But, but I'm, what I'm asking for is beyond 2006, you, would you take issue with America at least entertaining the idea of supporting those Lebanese who were trying to build institutions that may or may not last? Yeah. yeah I, I, the reason why is because... Because I'm really looking at what is America's role then. No, no, because, because, because you're still coming back to the, to the fallacy that there are institutions in Lebanon. Uh, I don't want American policy to be pursuing scams. I think uh, in, in the American, this has nothing to do with the Lebanese context. In the American context, mm-hmm. uh, I think the engagement with the Middle East over the last 20 years, roughly, since 9-11, to be, to be precise, um, but even before that, I mean, to the decade before that, so the decade from 1991 to 2001, this is coming up, by the way, uh, what I'm about to say roughly is coming out as another Hoover piece that's going to be up uh, by the time this podcast makes the air. It will have been uh, published already. Um, America pursued a fantasy after the Cold War for, for the first decade, uh, 91 to 2001, called the Middle East Peace Process. <laughs> you know, this is a good place to take a small break because sure. that's a different subject. No, I don't want to get into it. Yeah. I don't want to get into the peace process. But then after 2001, it engaged in another fantasy, a series of fantasies in the Middle East So and, and deepened its engagement with the Middle East. And I think now people are looking back and saying, man, there's just a lot of nonsense and, and mythology involved in American policy in the Middle East. So what I want is to say, let's anchor it in reality, okay? It has nothing to do with wanting to smash Lebanon and sure, be stable. Sure. I don't yeah. care. The point is not having America pursue uh, sort of mirages in the Middle East anymore. I think this is a good point, actually, to emphasize, and I maybe I'll let you sort of say it yourself, but in our conversations, you make the point that you are looking at it as an American. Yes. Yeah. Not just an American citizen, but an American, perhaps a American potential policy influencer. Well, but I mean, I wouldn't go so far. I don't. I know as an as an American but citizen. You are looking at it from an American viewpoint. Not, absolutely. Not from the Lebanese Abs- Middle absolutely, Eastern. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I find that to be. I find that to be incredibly dishonest. Incidentally, by people, you know, if you're if you're 
if you're selling America or you're trying to implicate basically America's uh, policy in your predicament as a Lebanese, right? It's like policy is policy and your predicament is your predicament, right? So then comes the point where you would say that it's the region that needs to fix itself. It's not America's role to... Well, that's part of the fantasy, right? The idea that America can fix the region, bringing this back to our subject matter of Lebanon. The notion that strengthening state institutions is the strategy that America should be pursuing in Lebanon is basically even... even or on a par with the idea of exporting American-style democracy to the Middle East, right? At, you know, at least there, you're, you're saying, okay, I have a model for you to emulate, but in this case, it's like, what are you, what, so even, what are you even, emulating even, exactly? Even the symbolic gesture of standing up for those that, that champion American ideals in itself is delusional. No, 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 no. no, I, no. You want to support people who champion ideals? That's great. That's not a problem. <laughs> My point is, um, if you're saying to me that America should be building or strengthening something in Lebanon that has never existed. I mean, that's just insanity. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I can go with you comp- all the way with there that it never existed. Something existed. It wasn't working well, but something was there. But it's not a state. It's as close... It's an arrangement. Arrangements. Arrangements, okay. yes. But that is real, right? Those arrangements are real. Yes, but they're not a state. There, okay, would you would you agree that they're as close to a state as Lebanon can get? Right, but it's not a rational state, right? It's a state of the Lebanese system, of the Lebanese system that's a sectarian-based system, right? Yes. So what yes. You're, you, you, the idea, when we think of states, we're thinking about a rational actor, the rational state, Right, uh, uh, not actor. The rational state, meaning that you know you have a rational bureaucracy, one that's completely separate from tribal and and sectarian uh, loyalties and so on and so forth. This is uh, and therefore can act as such. Right. This is not where the bureaucracy is a bureaucracy and all of that. Okay. Yeah. This is not what the case is in Lebanon at all. So at its best, I'm using relative terms here. At its best, uh, the Tanzimat power sharing, whatever you want to call it, this uh, this thing that existed for a few decades in Lebanese history, that's as good as it gets. And even that today is a hopeless thing. Well, I mean, look, uh, it's funny that a lot of what... Because you're right, people o- the in, Ottoman city, this, that, this yes, thing. Yes, it's an Ottoman city. It's an Ottoman city. It's an yes. Ottoman city. It's so, part of the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> it's not part of the Lebanese state. It's part of the Ottoman state. It's a province so in the Ottoman the Empire. American policy should end in 1913. <laughs> no, it doesn't, it's not that it, it ends, right? I mean, okay, so you have, a, you have something that, that is there. But don't, yeah. okay, it's, an, it's whatever it is, right? Yeah. But don't approach it as though it's something that it's not. We think of parliament, government, ministries, state, and we... Think of very specific concepts and realities that correspond to these concepts. In Lebanon, they do not correspond to that reality. The terminology, although the terminology is the same, it does not correspond to the same thing. The Lebanese 
it's called the Lebanese army, but it's not the way <laughs> the army of a rational state is, and so on. What matters in Lebanon is that whenever you tell people, are you going to challenge Hezbollah? And again, I'm not saying that they should. It's their decision. Because you, you made that point actually quite, you, you're fair in that sense that you said it's the Lebanese that have to come to their own conclusion. Absolutely. And you are describing this as somebody looking at it from the outside. So it's not my decision. It's Absolutely. their decision, yeah. and they, but they have to live with the consequences of their decision without implicating America in their uh, pathology. My concern is to make sure that American policy is grounded in reality and that, because the Lebanese have that idea, uh, they always want to suck in external powers and into their own... Uh, reality, because that's how they can survive. It's basically a Lebanese template, going back hundreds and thousands of years. Can I? Can we go? Not we're not going to go hundreds or thousands. And America is not that old, but America pre uh, nineteen ninety one, pre Oslo, pre pre Madrid, Cold War policy. At least from what I'm getting, what I'm getting from you is that it was a lot more rational, because it was. A geographic battle. I mean, it, it's not that it didn't have its fantasies. Of mm-hmm. course, it did. Well, of course, the fantasies from this conversation, I'm getting the fantasies were not really that important because there was a bigger objective. I mean, we had a fantasy about Iran, for instance, and we had fantasies mm-hmm. about uh, even in certain cases about Syria. And no, so but on. I mean, even American intervention in the 80s, mm-hmm. the Marines landing in Beirut. Well, that was a <laughs> that yeah, ended up being a fantasy too. Sure, but that so I. Uh, Let's go back further to the... It's actually a very good point. Mm. I'm sorry. To, yeah. I'm glad that you brought it up. I mean, the idea at the time was, remember, sure. we were yeah. building the Lebanese state <laughs> with the Amin Jmail government. We're going to uh, up the support for the Lebanese army. Ironically, it's Philip Habib, a Lebanese man no, sent but, to Lebanon. But, uh, yeah. which, which tells you something, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> but the point, is, the point is that at the time, people looked at that and said, that's not a Lebanese state. That's Amin Jmail's army. Right, and that's not really the army because it's the army and the Lebanese forces and the Kataib and so on. So, what we think of as a state is not actually a state. So, uh, what happened at the time was that pe- people and local and um, neighboring powers, using locals, said, "No, we don't want this state that uh, America is trying to build up in Lebanon." And what did they do? They split the army with the Intifada, the, again, Nabih <laughs> Buri. Um, and and uh, the Syrians said, oh, oh, you want a state in Lebanon? That's nice. Uh, so it, the point is, again, we're, and we're playing, replaying the same thing. And, and, I, and I keep asking people to give me a precedent. What is the precedent? There is no precedent. We talked about Fouad Sheb in the negative way, which is... The Deuxième deuxième Bureau, Mm -hmm. which is military commander, and it's kind of pretty much what we've had since Amir Lahoud until today. Right. So military involvement. But, uh, I mean, I I just have that assumption that those years are the, maybe the healthiest Lebanon can hope for, which is which is unhealthy. Which is yeah. I mean, it's funny, right? Because again, the Lebanese wanted both ways. They want to say, oh no, the Lebanese system however flawed it is, at least 
puts checks and balances against anyone who want, on anyone who wants to ex- exercise full control. That's why Nasrallah can never really exercise full control because the sectarian system puts checks and balances. Yeah, okay. but and it th- creates a space of liberalism that's different from all the other regimes in the region stuff, that were military. But that and stuff then, is real. That is real. There, there, I, I, I mean, I, Lebanon does... No, no, I mean, it's... <laughs> no, there, there, is a, there is a breathing space that is unusual for the region in Lebanon. That is real. Well, I mean... I I mean, again, in relative terms, because look at uh, look now, people are being taken out uh, for criticizing people on uh, on uh, Facebook, you know, criticizing the president or the army, uh, and and so on and so forth. I mean, you know, I mean, again, everything is relative, uh, but uh, and and what people talk about, you know, the the freedom of the press. I mean, okay, I mean, but it's also the freedom of the press insofar as the press acted as. Um, organs for various Arab regimes in, in the region, right? And you had paid uh, journalists uh, who were basically mouthpieces for various regi- regimes or, or, or security services, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I, I, I don't want to get into that too much, but the point is, you know, again, they're talking from both sides of their mouths. So they want, they want to say that, you know, the sectarian system, which is, was built against a central state, yeah, uh, and against military dictatorship. Yes, right. Yeah. And then at the same time, they want to uh, wax nostalgic about the period where you came, where you had the, the first sort of military president and military intelligence and security services uh, in 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 Lebanon's uh, uh, politics. I think we're getting at the just perpetual balancing act that people feel the need to aspire to it's the it's the constant Again, it's, uh, struggle it, for compromise it's, and it's their it's yeah. their struggle yeah it cannot be confused with american policy and american policy shouldn't be sucked into it yeah. because america is not lebanon america can't think like lebanon okay the superpower cannot think like a tiny levantine country that's not your vantage point on the world it cannot be right it doesn't work that way so uh, that's why i'm saying there's a, there's a fundamental disconnect, and then what we are pursuing in that ge- geographic space is something that never actually existed in it. So it's the epitome of uh, a fantasy, basically. You're trying to create something that never was. N- I mean, I mean, it, that's you can say. Well, there is hope. Yeah, I mean, but there's also Failure. <laughs> okay, so the, you don't build policy like that. You don't build policy on poetry. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's a good place to leave it. Thank you, Tony. My pleasure. Tony's take on U.S. policy towards Lebanon and his blunt equation, Lebanon equals Hezbollah, is a striking assessment when looking at all the inner workings of the Lebanese state. And there will be other guests who will challenge that narrative and offer opinions of their own. And next week, we'll look at Lebanon through recent geopolitics, in particular the Syrian regime's dependence on Lebanon and local Lebanese parties handling or mishandling for that matter of their relationship with the Syrian regime. And next week, we're off to Detroit, Michigan, and we'll be joined by Sam Deher, 
a journalist who spent years covering the Syrian war in Syria and for a time was the only correspondent in Syria reporting for Western outlets. And if you want to be notified automatically of every episode's release, please subscribe to the podcast from your preferred podcast platform. And you can also find these episodes on YouTube. Simply look for the Beirut Banyan channel and subscribe there. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. Thank you.